Good afternoon and welcome to the Scottish Sun Scottish Cup semi-final podcast. My name is Andy Devlin and joining me is my colleague David Friel to look ahead to two massive matches at a recently relayed Hamden. It's been one of those weeks where all the focus has obviously fallen on the game on Sunday, the old firm game. But, you know, first things first, Hibs done United on Saturday. And given the way both teams or season has gone, monumental for both clubs. It is monumental, but I just wonder whether they've even had time to look forward to this game. Both clubs, mm-hmm. because the United have been so consumed to try to steer clear of relegation, which they're failing to do. And Hibs have just been in meltdown, really. Mm-hmm collapse after collapse and you know another bad result against Falkirk so you know maybe it gives them a break from league duty but I couldn't pick a winner for mm-hmm. this one I think mm-hmm. it's fascinating to see if any of the clubs can lift themselves mm-hmm. for the same thing. As you say these occasions you know particularly for, for provincial clubs that perhaps don't get to hand in that often should be a showpiece occasion supporters should be up for it, excited by it, looking forward to it but as you say I mean Hibs and Dunyanity supporters this season have had very little to cheer I mean, well, a lot depends on how the, the fans react. I mean, the, the first goal is obviously going to be vital, but I mean, the supporters, how do they love themselves? I, I don't know. I mean, didn't they write it especially? You know, given I felt the game at the weekend was pretty much a final nail in the coffin. Yeah. You know, I don't think the can get out of this now. For Hibs, it's such a bizarre situation. They've been in one final, they lost it to Ross County. They're in a semi final of Scottish Cup, a, a couple of them not won since, mm. well, over 100 mm-hmm. years. And they could still get promoted. Mm. You know, they're going to have to do it the hard way if they do get promoted. So it could come the end of maybe a season to remember. Mm. But right now, things are just on the slide. Mm. So I don't. I think the Hibs fans will come through more than hope than expectation. Mm. I, you know, I could see Hibs winning it. Likewise, I could see Hibs giving the form the last few weeks, throwing it away. Mm. And I, don't, I just think it's a it's a bizarre surreal game. But I mean, let's analyse both clubs and where you feel it's gone wrong for them this season. I mean, Dundee United, first of all, will start in the top flight. You know, they've had their problems defensively all season. You know, this week, you know, it's highlighted one of the most bizarre incidents you, you will see this season or any season for that man of Gavin Gunning collecting the ball against Cali Thistle, walking off the park, which looked, Colin Pence's purposes was, you know, it's my ball and I'm not playing. <laughs> you know, the toys out the pram. I mean, a spectacular meltdown. You know, not play under mixed with Pat Alenin again. I mean, just how will that affect? the United players and you know the management and the build up to what is a massive well, game it's the last thing they needed when, when you're in a relegation scrap and you're also going to try and win the Scottish Cup you need everybody pulling the same direction you need everybody fighting everybody committed now mm. Gavin Gurnan's actions he may have been injured right but mm. I've never seen anything like that in my life on a football pitch I mean Craig Thompson the referee was that bemused mm. and surprised if I got to even book him mm. I mean, he yeah. just picks the ball up. I mean, you can't just pick the yeah. ball up in the middle of a game yeah. and just say, right, like... I was telling like, the Inverness players were just kind of, you know, what, what, what is going on? I mean... It, it was bizarre. Now, I, you know, I think the United have, t- have done the right thing because I think the fans, you could tell from the reaction online and I think even they were inundating the club with complaints mm. about a guy who, as I'm saying, you want the players to be committed, mm. fighting for the cause, giving absolutely everything, playing with injuries. He decides to pick a ball up halfway through a match and say, no, yeah. I'm not playing anymore. So, so mixing, you, you had no choice. I don't think he had any yeah. choice because what, what message does it send out if you yeah. do tolerate it and you play him again? You know, I, I don't think he can. Okay, it's not the biggest crime in the world, but mm. it was just so bizarre and it probably spoke volumes for where maybe Gavin Gunning was in a, in a mental sense mm. of, of being committed and just where the United are just mm. now. So I think he had to let him go. Mm. Because but they had that wee upturn, didn't they? I mean, they obviously they lost it, you know, against Motherwell. I think February the sixteenth, which proved a turning point for Motherwell. Mm-hmm. You know, adversely for United. Just when they seem to be picking up a, a couple of results, it just seems to have gone again yeah, for them. It's just inconsistency. I mean, I watched them against Partick Thistle last midweek, and it could have been five 0 at half time. They should have been five 0 up at half time. They lost the game one 0 and that that probably summed up their season. Even though even they've been really good, they have been good, mm-hmm. and they've got some good players. Paul Payton, Annie has done quite well. Billy McKay, guys like that, Dow. 
They've got some decent players, mm. but they've just not been able to put it together. Mm. I think United fans will probably see it stretches back to last summer. Recruitment wasn't good enough, mm. you know. Losing Armstrong, Mackay, Stephen, Robertson, Golden at the years before, then losing Chiffy, they just didn't replace. Mm. You're not going to get like for like, but didn't replace him with the guys anywhere near good enough. And to be honest with you, it started badly for Jackie McNamara. Mm. He lost his job due to that. But let's look at Mixu's record. No, it's not great. No. And, and I don't think Mixu should be absolved of any blame because mm. if you talk about Mullerwell, Andy, mm. look at Matt McGee's record. Matt mm. McGee took over Mullerwell when they were ninth, mm. pretty much around the same time. Mullerwell could now finish the season in Europe. Mm. Then United are just marooned. You know, I don't think he's done. I don't think he's done a good enough job. I, th- I thought tellingly as well. Paul Payton's comments this week, you know, would, would send up a shiver down the, the spine of every United supporter when he said, "Should they, they be relegated?" And let's be honest, that's looking, you know, highly likely now, highly plausible now. That you know they could be down in that Championship, down in the divisions, you know, for a, a good number of years. I mean, you look at Hibs; they could potentially be down for another for, for a third year. I mean, Dundee United, financially, uh, uh, you know, when you throw into the mix the, the, the financial problems and all the rest of it, could that be where they're headed? Could it be realistic that United could be out at Maroon down there for a couple of years? Well, it took Rangers two years to get up. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to take Hibs at least two years, maybe more, mm-hmm. to get back up. You've got the Fairland coming up into our league with a bit of money to spend. Mm-hmm. You've got Queen of South still there. You've got St Mern, who have ambitions. You've got Falkirk, potentially, if they don't get up. Throw Dundee United in there. It's not an easy division. Mm-hmm. It's the last thing United needed. To me, it's just been a catalogue of errors of judgement, bad signings, mm-hmm. bad tactics, if you want to call yeah. that, and just players not all playing for each mm-hmm. other. You can just you can tell there's a dysfunctional dressing room there. You know, I think I think the guys like Sean Dillon, John Rankin, Paul Payton as well are all pulling the same direction. All the other ones, the ones that Mixu brought in, I'm not so no. sure. Like Sunsport on Facebook for all the Scottish football latest. <laughs> speak about you know dysfunctional dressing rooms and that that's something that's been levelled at Hibs since Anthony Stokes mm. joined the club in, in January because up until that point think you know things were going well for Hibs you look at them since Christmas however they've had a real slump in form and again confidence levels seem to be affected they cannot see out a game I mean you just go back to last night turn on club against Falkirk at home ten men four minutes to go and they're pegged back I spoke about that game against Party Thistle summer up United season does that game last night against Falkirk summer up Hibs season you know if you're 2-0 up against 10 men at home you're your closest rivals you should see that game out mm. I don't care there should be no way you should drop points I mean mm. I, I saw one in the book he's tweeting that Hibs are 1-500 to on to win that game at that point now to lose two goals mm. late on is just you know, listen, I, I think it's indefensible mm. and I think Alan Stubbs we're talking about mix it I think Alan Stubbs got loads of positives at the start of the season Hibs are playing good football they've got to one cup final mm. got to another semi-final great well done mm. I think the league form over the last two months has been nowhere near mm. good enough for the players Hibs have got Hibs have got international players yeah. in the team Hibs have got John McGinn Anthony Stokes Jason Cummings Liam Henderson guys further back with mm. huge experience guys have played at the Premier League for years and years and years and for whatever reason it's just not happening and Alan Stubbs is under a bit of pressure mm. now I think to deliver I mean, you'll hear Alan Stubbs is saying last night and obviously in the papers this morning that Hibs will need to win every single game to secure second place in the championship right now yeah. that looks fanciful I, th- I, mean, I saw something the weekend the results over the last six games I think it's the second worst in the league mm-hmm. this is a championship this is you know you're playing these part time players maybe 30-40% mm-hmm. of the time so I, I don't really see what's happened to him mm-hmm. I don't understand it they've got, they've got good players they've, they've got a manager who, who knows how to get his team mm-hmm. to play football they, they all seem to like the manager People say Anthony Stokes has been a bad influence and he's kind of upset the, the, the balance of the team. To me, if you've got an international striker and Anthony Stokes is mm-hmm. a public rival striker playing in the Championship, you should be able to fit him into your team mm-hmm. and you should be able to make it work. Mm-hmm. But for some reason it's not. And, and you, you say there, Andy, that they're going to have to win every single game mm-hmm. to get a second. That's going to take a monumental effort. To then get up through the playoffs 
with potentially a Scottish Cup final in the middle of all that as well yeah. is going to take an even bigger effort and yeah. I don't know if it's too much for and us I suppose when you look at you know, the way Rafe Rovers have played over the last two or three months and the way Falkirk are going just now it could be you know, Hibs may well be a lot of fans was already consigned to it another season in the Championship well, listen, it's up to Hibs to prove everybody wrong but right now we do back Hibs to beat mm. Rafe over two legs then beat Falkirk over two legs mm. and then beat Seiko Marnock over two mm. legs potentially with a Scottish Cup final mm. in the middle of that I can't see it yeah. but he's got quality they've got a big yeah. squad they should be able to cope with it, but I think in the, back, in the evidence of the last two months, I think it's going to be too much. I've got a sneaky that Dundee United will just edge it. I've got a horrible feeling it will go to extra time, mm-hmm. potentially penalties on Saturday, but I think Dundee United will just sneak it yourself. I think Hibs will win it. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I do. What, I mean, before we go on to the, to, to the big one on Sunday, just a wee bit about the pitch. Obviously, it has been the source of, of much criticism, and rightly so, relayed just prior to the League Cup final, which I think I'm right in saying was the fourth time mm-hmm. in seven years it was an absolute disgrace on Sunday for the Petropac Cup final. It was immediately ripped up and relayed again. But as mm-hmm. Scott Brown pointed out when he spoke to us after the Scotland-Denmark game, these pitches need at least three or four weeks to bed in, to knit together. And here we are, at, you know, we're going to have a maximum of three days before Hibs and Dunn United play on it. And then you've got another game. And, and then you've got the after. 24 hours. I think it's a shambles. I think, it, for me, it's a final straw. <coughs> the SFA's least runs out in Hamden in three, four years. Four years, yeah. I think it's time to move. Mm. I genuinely do. I think, I look at Hamden, I don't think it's a great atmosphere. I don't think it's a great stadium bar in the main stand. The pitch is terrible. You're too far away from the action. Yeah. I just think it's had its day. I think, you know, you've got Murrayfield in Scotland, you've got Celtic Park, you've got mm. Ibrox, you've got Pataudry, mm. you've got Easter Road, you've got. Tynecastle, I think there's no reason why Scotland can't play their games at so about the country. When you compare as well the venues, you, I mean, I, I think in particular of the you know, Millennium, it's obviously just been renamed the Principality Stadium in Cardiff, which obviously for Wales. Wonderful Wembley, you know, £90 million spent on, on upbringing that. The Aviva Stadium in Dublin, we're a backwater. We are. The thing is, though, you've got, you've got a country with a national stadium is probably the fourth best stadium in the country. Mm-hmm. Because those other three stadiums, Murrayfield, Celtic Park, Ibrox, mm-hmm. are better stadiums for me. So is it just history that we're so tied to Hamden? Mm. I think it's had its day. You, and the pitch thing is just another example yeah. of, is it penny pinching? You know, when you think about it, see if you buy a, a cheap pair of football boots, mm. chances are you're going to have to buy another one six mm. months down the line. Mm. Just just pay the money. Mm. Get, the, get the kind of surface that they've got at Murrayfield. Yeah. It's a hybrid surface, just do it. It's mm. an absolute embarrassment that you're having to relay a pitch. So by the time that rolls around on, on, on Sunday lunchtime, noon, high noon on Sunday, will the pitch be... A leveller. You know, it's been relayed, you know, this week, a lot of the time to bed in. Hibs and Dun United will have trampled all over the top of it on Saturday. Will it be a leveller? Will, will it impact on no, it? A, a leveller, I don't know, because I think both Celtic and Rangers, you know, neither team's going to lump it. Mm. Neither team, they don't have the players to lump the ball high. and So I, I think Rangers would want a good surface. Celtic will want a good surface. Mm. So is it a leveller? I just think it's probably going to be just a spectacle. Mm. I mean, you remember that game last last year, Andy, and the pitch was no. an absolute farce. I mean, Ronnie Dyla came out after the game and, and almost blamed the pitch for the fact that mm. Celtic didn't kick on. The game was over at half-time anyway, mm. but it just wasn't good enough. It wasn't conducive to good football. In the eyes of, of Britain, maybe even beyond their own this game at the weekend, mm. right? Like, you know, for novelty factor as much as anything. And you're trying to explain to people that you're having to really, really a pitch yeah. and have a game on the day before mm. as well. I mean, it is an utter embarrassment. As I'm saying, to me, it's a final straw. I think the SFA should just say it happened. Thanks for the memories. You can watch the goals from all the big SPFL games on the website at thescottysun.co.uk slash sport.
Right, okay, and on to the game itself then. Obviously, this is what the second time the old firm have played each other in four years. Last year was a was a complete mismatch, if we're, if we're all being honest. This year, however, it's slightly different. Rangers are obviously vastly improved. They've, they've already won the championship title and are heading back to the SPFL. Celtic, David, I'm interested to know, do you think they have improved from the team that beat Rangers at Hamden last year in the what was the League Cup semi-final? No, no not at all. I don't think they've improved. I think certain players have improved. I think certain players like Kieran Tierney's emerged. Lee Griffiths is now established. Mm-hmm. But I think Patrick Roberts has, has, has been excellent the last few weeks. I think Patrick Roberts is a, a superstar in, in the making. I think he'll go on to do really big things in England one day. But no, I mean, Celtic have lost Van Dijk and Denier. So that, therefore, that's a drop in quality straight away. And as you're seeing, Rangers have improved. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I mean, Rangers have definitely improved. Celtic have probably gone backwards slightly. And that, that's mm-hmm. probably just because losing Van Dijk and Denier, arguably two of their best players last year. But I still think there is a gap mm. in the teams. I mean, Celtic will obviously start as as overwhelming favourites on, on Sunday. You look at Lee Griffiths, what, you know, thirty-seven goals. Mm. Am I right this this season so far? No other player, however, in double figures no. for Celtic. Is there too much? Is there, or is there an over reliance on Lee Griffiths for, for goals? I think I think the stats back up. I mean, it's strange because I suppose if you look at Barcelona. Messi will score the bulk of mm. goals, Man City, Aguero will score the bulk of goals, Rangers, Wycombe score, but Ronaldo yeah, score. So you're always going to have a striker, Adam Rooney, Aberdeen, you're always going to have a striker that probably gets 30 35% of the goals. What's surprising, Celtic still scored a lot of goals mm. this season, is that they've not had a Chris Commons or, I don't know, Stefan Johansson mm. getting it done. I think he's only mm. four this season, he got the 12 or 15 last season. Yeah, they don't have anybody who's Petrov really back up. Well, yeah, Petrov used to do that yeah. as well. So I think what you've got is you've got maybe Beaton's got seven, mm. Boyata's got seven, Rogic has got a few, Mackay Stevens got a few. So I, th- I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of responsibility in Lee Griffiths, but the thing that I've been impressed with with Lee Griffiths is he takes it on. Mm. You know, there's a list of Celtic strikers that have failed over the last five mm. years. You know, Bangura, Buki, mm. Amido Baldi, Skepovic, all these mm. guys. Couldn't handle it. Just mm. couldn't handle the pressure, couldn't handle the expectation, the burden, call it what you want. Lee Griffiths loves it. Mm. Lee Griffiths wants to be the main man. He hates mm. not being playing. He wants to be the main man in this old firm game. And... They score 37 goals mm. for any team at any level, mm. I think it's good going. And there's obviously been accusations, if you like, levelled at Rangers that their defence is perhaps the weakest part of their team. I mean, up until the clean sheet against them, Barton and again Peter Head at the weekend, I think it was 10 goals in four games, certainly nine in, in the three prior to that. What you would perceive as a lack of genuine pace you know, between Danny Wilson and, and Rob Kiernan, any kind of ball over the top, you know, in behind for Griffiths to run onto, could present itself, you know, for all manner of problems for yeah, Rangers. I'll just, I'll be interested to see how Mark Warburton sets up defensively in the sense of what does he tell his fullbacks? Because you know, there's two schools I thought that that, that Wilson and Kiernan at the higher level mm. maybe aren't good enough. The other school I thought is that they're exposed too much because Tavernier and Wallace are constantly bombing on. What does he do? Because there was a spell there when Hibs crumbled, Rangers were getting a lot of clean sheets. It was five in a row, I think, something along those lines. Basically won in the title. Then they switched off and suddenly they conceded mm-hmm. nine goals in three games and you saw the Falkirk game. Wraith was a shambles. Mm-hmm. The Queen of South as well. I was at Ibrox for that game. Mm-hmm. Queen of South were kind of blowing holes in them at one point. So what does he do? Does he tell Tavernier, Mark Warburton and, and Wallace, stay put? Be more disciplined. Be more disciplined. Yeah. But then that takes a lot away from Rangers in an attacking sense mm-hmm. and I don't think Mark Warburton will want to do that. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know, I think there's a big onus on the fullbacks to, mm. to, to be switched on and I also think there's a big onus in Don Ball in yeah. front of the back four to be moving in there mm. and giving them a hand. I mean, you, he obviously, I was going to ask you that, he obviously came in to the team against Dundee and had a, you know, an incredible impact playing in that holding role, as you say, just in front of the back four. Do you fully expect him 
hundred percent to play there again definitely. I think the Rangers team probably picks itself. I mean, I think I did the podcast last week, and I pretty much said what I thought it would be the Rangers starting mm. eleven. Don Ball was in it. I think I think Rangers, given that the fullbacks given them so much, and they play with quite a narrow three in mid, mm. the middle of the park. I think they have to have someone mm. who's capable of stepping back. And bear in mind as well the way Celtic will play, Celtic will have somebody in the kind of, if you want to call it, number 10 role, mm. whether it's Johansson, whether it's Rogic, whether it's Commons, whether it's somebody mm. like that. So they need somebody to be patrolling in there mm. anyway. But I just think it will give them that little bit of extra security. Mm. But there's a lot of onus on mm. Donball because if Tavernier goes, which yeah, intensity, which do, and yeah. Wallace may be slightly more disciplined, you need somebody plugging the gaps. Mm. I mean, yeah, you, you say, I mean, you're, you're, you're right in what you say, the Rangers team probably will. Depend, you, you wonder if he'll gamble on Vagcorn, you know, if he's maybe... 70%, 75%, would he, you know, with the, with the championship being won, would he, would he take the gamble with Wycorn, do you think? I mean, he's making noises today, Martin Wycorn, not ruling himself mm. out, he'll see how the next few days go. I'd be surprised if he started. I think with the nature of the injury, okay, he might be healed or anything, mm. but I just think if you've been out for two months mm. to try and get up to that, mm. That's playing him wide right against a guy like Kieran Tierney, who, uh, you know, is a young 18-year-old who is hungry, would tackle his mm. granny, I don't know if that's, you know, I think he maybe wants someone like Forrester out mm. there who, again, is playing well, is full of confidence, is fully fit. But it wouldn't surprise me if on that list of five subs, Martin Wagner's name appears. In there. The Celtic, I mean, the Celtic team by and large picks itself as well, I suppose, but do they have an issue, maybe left side, you know, Armstrong or, 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 or Gary Mackay, Stephen, for yeah. you? Do you think that's maybe I, one I, area where Dyer's got a big, Ronnie Dyer's got a big decision to make? I think it's the only decision he's got to make. Yeah. I think the Celtic team <coughs> will be Gordon, Lustig, Probably Boyatin will grow mm. and Tierney. I think Svechenko, they may not risk him. Brown Beaton will start, Johansson will start, Patrick Roberts will start, Griffiths will start. So yeah. it's one, there's, there's one, one position up for grabs and it's one of the ones of the three behind the striker. Now, honestly, there's about 14 players in contention yeah. for it. You know, guys that you forgot about mm. in contention. <laughs> Callum McGregor, Scott Allen, Ryan Christie. I could go on and on and on. There are so many players mm. in contention. So has, has Gary Mackay, Stephen, if he was, does he have the mentality? Do you, when you look at his performances this season, or is Armstrong the better bet? Do you think he's more? I mean, Gary Mackay, Stephen has a goal in him. He's got pace in him. He's got a trick in him. So I think Celtic will want someone mm -hmm. to have a go at James Tavernier and test him defensively. Or we're talking about the pitch being a leveller. Do you go for a physical presence and say Colin Kazim Richards, big guy, six foot two? If it needs to be, mm -hmm. you play a diagonal ball because mm -hmm. Rangers don't have a, a huge back mm -hmm. back line, do they? I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe Rob Kiernan's over six yeah. foot. The rest of them aren't that big, so that's an option as well. But honestly, sitting here, it's a throw of dice. I generally don't have a clue who will start in that position for Celtic. Would he have the temperament? Would you Would you worry about Kazim Richards' temperament in a game like this? <laughs> would you worry about him? He can be a bit of a loose cannon at times. Mm -hmm. I would think. I think he's. You, know, you saw it against Motherwell getting a bit of scrap, but. He's an experienced player, he's got mm. 40 caps for Turkey. He's been about the place, he's played in big derbies in, in Istanbul. If you can't trust a guy mm. to go into that environment, what's the point of signing him? Keep bang up to date with Scottish football by following Sun Sport on Twitter. Now, I mean, we're obviously all hoping the game passes without incident and, it, and it's remembered for the football. But, I mean, obviously, there's been a lot said in the build up to this week, I and mean, I think everybody's had their say just about, and there's still, what, three or four days to go before we actually get round to the game. What have you made, David, of some of the comments this week? And I'll ask you, first of all, in particular, Walter Smith this morning, who is saying that Rangers, that the, the club's bitterness over being, as he says, booted down the divisions, will, will never leave the club, and that there was no reason, in his opinion, for Rangers to be demoted and having to start all over again. I mean, I, I must admit, my heart sank when I saw the stuff. I just thought the timing was wrong. I think it was. Ill judged, ill considered. 
in, in terms of what he's saying. I think people are probably pulling up in the facts. You look back to that, that summer four years ago, and there was votes going on about you know, whether Rangers would stay in the SPL, whether they put them into the first division. You know, it, it wasn't a, a simple case of let's punish Rangers and put them in the third division. There's processes to follow, there's rules to follow. There was an insolvency event, Rangers were liquidated. The, the, the company, so I, I don't think you can then go back and rewrite history and say that you know the big bad clubs of Scotland booted Rangers out of the league. That didn't happen. In terms of if Walter Smith's got a, a problem with the, the clubs almost, I, I don't know, rejoicing in Rangers' demise, then that's fair enough. If he feels it was over the top, that was fair enough. You know, if, if he feels he's obviously having a kind of slight dig at Dundee United in mm. terms of clubs that are in the process of being relegated. Mm. Well, if he feels Stephen Thompson and Dundee United fans were over the top, then, then fair yeah. enough to say that. But to say that Dundee United's relegation and clubs over the last few years has been down to Rangers' demise is just wrong. I mean, Dundee United, there's a, mil a million reasons why Dundee United are being relegated. It's nothing to do with Rangers' downfall. There was a lot of reasons why Hibs were relegated. It was nothing to do with Rangers' downfall. And to also say, that's my final point, I'm just back to Inverness. I was up at the game last night, and you know, after the game, went and sat with some of the local journalists at the pint. And I was talking about the last four years. We're talking about. I mean, they were they were very surprised at Walter Smith's comments as well. And, and I was talking about the last four years. Now, Inverness have won a cup. Ross County have won a cup. These guys have been in Romania for European runs. They're talking about Ross County potentially being in there. So, to say that it's damaged Scottish football potentially to a worldwide reputation. But there's a lot of clubs with good times over the last four years. It's cost Celtic a lot of money, and I think Celtic financially have been damaged. But Celtic supporters in years to come will still look mm. back at this time as, as winning leagues and, and getting into mm. the Champions League and stuff like that. So I just was a wee bit disappointed in Walter Smith. I thought someone of his status and stature should, I, I don't mean no better, but I, I just felt it was a bit needless mm. to come out with this sort of stuff, especially a few days before mm. you know a, a game that there's going to be a lot of emotions. Yeah. I mean, focusing on that, I mean, obviously, Walter Smith uh, has been over the course in this fixture and knows, knows it inside out. You know, Ronnie Dallas had one old firm experience last year. Matt Warburton is his first. Is there a sense, David, going into that, that you know Ronnie Dyla has you know absolutely nothing to gain but everything to lose? Yeah, but I don't look at Ronnie Dyla and seeing him the last few days and the last few weeks talking about this game. I mean, maybe it's just maybe it's just Ronnie Dyla's kind of general demeanour because yeah. he is a sort of happy, always exactly yeah. a happy-go-lucky guy. It does not look as if it's getting to him at all mm. in the slightest. I don't know. Does Ronnie Dyla think that maybe his time's come to an actual conclusion anyway? I, I don't know. I do think Celtic will take stock at the end of the season, mm. see where they're going as a club, see whether Ronnie Dyla is the right man to lead them forward. Does he think he's got nothing to lose anyway? Does he think mm. that, well, maybe I'm going to be going anyway? Maybe he wants to go? I don't know. I don't think he's a guy that looks as if he's really, really under thinking, I need to win this game to keep the job. Mm. I think if he does lose the game, I think there's no dispute. Mm. I don't think he will stay at Celtic. But it's, you know, I mean, the other day we, I did the Sunday stuff last week and he was just smiling and laughing and he's having done it okay the world. Yeah. So maybe that's the best way to be. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's best not to get uptight about these games yeah. and, and listen, he's detached slightly, come from a different I, country. I, I think he's right in what he says though again in, in, in this morning's Scottish Sun. You know, he, he's, he's pointing out to Matt Warburton. Matt Warburton is determined to treat this as another game. Mm. I mean, we all know that, that these things are so far removed from being another game that it that it's scary at times. I mean, it must, it's going to be, I mean, David Beers, obviously, uh, he's, he's, he's his right-hand side and mm. talking to him, but I mean, even that, no amount of preparation no. can actually, you know, steal you for getting into these games. The player that will always remind me of, of why this game can do crazy things to be was Fernando Rickson, yeah. right? 
It's a guy that signed for a lot of money for Rangers. Came with experience. I think mm. he'd been Carby Holland. Mm. He's got the boot at one side and he's probably got Arthur Newman. He's got Dick Advocate. Everybody's telling him, mm. you know, a, a brilliant Rangers team, right? Mm. Everybody telling him how this will be. I just remember his eyes and, and the look at day. It was as if to say, what have I walked into here? So I don't think I don't think anything can prepare you. Mm-hmm. And I think the Petrofac Cup final is a dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. As uh, listen, it was a teddy bear's picnic. It was it was a stroll in the park. It was. I mean, it was. I mean, let's face it, right? It was a dress rehearsal in the sense that it got to the stadium. The pitch is going to be different. Yeah. The crowd is going to be different. The noise is going to be different. The pressure is going to be different. I mean, it, it's not just another game. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, why have we spent the last? 14 months talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just before we go, we're obviously going to get a quick prediction from David. He thinks the Hibs will win the first semi-final, not right? And obviously the big one, David and Sunday, who's going to come out and top? Celtic think, or Rangers? I think it'll be goals. I think Celtic will edge it 3-2. Well, there you are, folks. You heard it here first. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hey!